0: How long did it take you to learn how to tie a bow tie? Not very long, actually. Yeah. It,
1: it's like tying uh, your shoestring. Really? Yeah, it's one little tricky part where you have to stick your finger underneath and get it to go. So, okay, please demonstrate. So here we go. Right. So it's left over right. Okay. Come under. Tighten it then. You get this part like that. Uh-huh. Then you go over. Now, see, so mm. keep keeping this finger right here it goes under then does it creates a space between here okay you pull it through It's probably uh, crooked because i can't see then then you can manipulate it once yeah. you get it through
0: look at that yeah you just did that without the assistance of i know here i here need too. a mirror but now i gotta <laughs> looks, make sure
1: it looks all right so before i walk around get the phone out <laughs> looking looking crazy it's sharp why is dr noel's bow tie crooked <laughs>
0: Folks, let me tell you about Dr. William Noel sitting across from me. Uh, After graduating from the University of Virginia in 1991, Dr. Noel began his career in education as a substitute teacher in Caroline County, then as an alternative education teacher, social studies teacher, and coach. In 2004, he was hired by Hanover County Public Schools as an assistant principal after earning his MED from Virginia Commonwealth University. Uh, he returned to VCU in 2014 and graduated with his EDD in leadership and was hired for his current position with Henrico County Public Schools as the Director of the Student Support and Disciplinary Review Office. Mm-hmm. Uh, when a colleague asked him if he was going to miss being a teacher, he replied, quote, I will always be a teacher, just no longer in a classroom. I love that. Dr. Noel believes who we teach is more important than what we teach. That's so Absolutely. true. Yeah. Absolutely. So substitute teacher, alternative ed teacher, social studies teacher, coach, now the director of student support and disciplinary review.
1: Which of those positions was the most challenging? I would say the substitute teaching, because it's funny, David, how I got into education. You know, my, my mom was a teacher, mm-hmm. and, and and I was like, no, that's not something I want to do. But uh a little background, when I got out of college, I wanted to go into law enforcement, hmm. and that was a freeze with national hiring for FBI, CIA, so my high school track coach was like, well, maybe you want to substitute teach to make some money. I was like, nah, there's no way. I'm not going to deal with those kids. I can guarantee you that. But uh, like I said, every time I put my hand in my pocket and all I pulled out was lint, hmm. I said I have to do something to get some money, so <laughs> reluctantly went into substitute teaching. Um and, and instantly fell in love with working mm. with kids. And, and a hashtag that I use all, all the time is discover your why. Mm-hmm. And, and I absolutely discovered my why when I got into teaching. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm a lover of quotes. Um, you remember from the last podcast. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, you're a veteran of the yeah, podcast. <laughs> my uh, yeah, my uh, favorite quote that speaks most closely to why I do what I do is by Twain. Mm-hmm. And he said, the two most important days of your life, the day you were born, and the day you find out why. Hmm. So absolutely, I, I discovered my why when I started working with kids. When you are substitute 25, um, right. almost 25 years later, here wow. I am.
0: Isn't that, isn't that amazing how, um, like, where you are in history it has so much to do with what you end up doing with your life. Because, like, because you were entering your professional career at a time when there was a freeze in hiring police officers,
1: mm-hmm. here you are. Yeah. In it, this room, absolutely, directors, you know that is. that was, this was my plan B, hmm. but apparently it was God's plan A. So <laughs> <laughs> who am I to argue with God about that? And and uh, I am so happy hmm. where I am today. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good lesson for folks that are just getting a public education because we've talked with some pre-service teachers and I've had some students that have gotten started with um, substitute teaching just mm-hmm. to kind of get their feet wet. It's just even when it's challenging at first, but just persist.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. If you're doing it for the students, then yeah, I learned so much. I learned so much in in substitute teaching, but I learned a great deal more when I was an alternative ed teacher. Mm -hmm. You know, dealing with students who had made poor decisions and gotten themselves in hot water, and Mm -hmm. and, and, in that uh, instance, I learned the importance of relationships. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, patience. Mm -hmm. You know uh just getting to know the, the, the child, not just you're a student, but you are also a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and that uh that was a tremendous help uh help to me. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. We uh it's important to be able to separate the student from the action sometimes, mm-hmm. right? Like it's just because somebody has done something that maybe has gotten them in trouble. It doesn't mean that that's their yeah, identity. It, it doesn't define them at that point. We we should get to the questions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You and I can just talk about this. I have, have you here all day. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll res- get we'll get coffee sometime yeah. and do that. Uh, Doctor Noel what is the purpose of public schools?
1: The purpose of public school. I, I, I guess the conventional answer would be to impart content knowledge Hmm. to to our students but but we do so much so much more than that um i know it sounds cliche but children are the future Hmm. so it's incumbent upon us to have a positive influence on our future by touching our kids Hmm. um you know we have to do more than teach the content we need to teach character traits Hmm. we need to teach uh our students what it means to be trustworthy, responsible, caring, respectful, citizenship, um, Mm -hmm. etc. Teddy Roosevelt said, uh, you know, to teach a man, to educate a man in mind and not in morals is to educate a minister of society. So it is important that not only do we teach them content knowledge, but we teach them behavior. We teach them how to behave. We teach them character. And if we do that, then the students will, in all likelihood, miss less class time because they've been suspended mm-hmm. or because they've been, you know, reassigned or wrecked for expulsion. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, the purpose of education not only is to uh, impart that content knowledge, but also mm-hmm. teach character. Anytime that I've worked with interventions
0: that are intended to help students academically, what we what we ultimately find out is that Really, it's a behavioral and social emotional intervention. That's what, that's what matters, right? So, if right. you can if you could build a person up, then the academics, um, like the content matters for sure. Absolutely. Right, but being ready to receive that content mm-hmm. is what matters. And so, um, if somebody were to just kind of look at public education at, at face uh, uh, value or surface level, they might just see this collection of content that's being mm-hmm. imparted on students, right? But you're arguing that there's there's more than that, right? So Absolutely. how how do we go about um, developing the social emotional world for students?
1: Well, one thing that we do here, um, one of my uh, staff, Chitava Burton, she has my behavior support team, mm. and they have facilitators who work with uh, students in that realm to help them with the social emotional needs, uh, students who have experienced trauma, students who are you know adverse childhood experiences. work with them uh, as well as work with staff Mm -hmm. as well Um, but you know I I believe that we have to connect with with anyone uh, uh, any one of our stakeholders in order to reach them Mm -hmm. you know before uh, we can uh, and I read this um, somewhere it said before you can uh, reach a child's mind you have to reach their heart Mm -hmm. so and a lot of this sounds you know cliche and, and pie in the sky, but you know, I firmly believe it. You you have to connect. You have to have those relationships um before you know someone who feels appreciated will always do more than is expected. So um and I found that out. I found that out in my experiences as a substitute teacher as well as the alternative ed teacher and all all the way through. Um if you get to know them and respect them as a, a person then chances are that they will do the same for you
0: are you telling me that relationships matter
1: in education? I am i know it's <laughs> it's 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 breaking news it's <laughs> it's like Wolf Blitzer, we have her you know, but uh yes, relationships matter mm-hmm. relationships matter, and that's why you know in in the intro you said, I believe it's more important to know who you teach than mm-hmm. what you teach. I mm-hmm. absolutely do believe that, yeah. Yeah. uh... And it's going to be hard for anybody to convince me otherwise. (laughs) But uh, it's it's true. I mean, I've lived it. Yeah. You know, because I remember back at uh, the middle school where I taught, you know, some of the teachers would say, Well, how does this child behave for you? Mm -hmm. But in other classes, they don't. I said, Well, because they know that I care about them. Mm -hmm. And and just because a child is not academically blazing a trail, Mm -hmm. you know, they are far from dumb. Mm -hmm. They will Mm -hmm. know in a minute. If you like them, if you don't. Um,
0: so there's plenty of challenges facing public schools today. Mm-hmm. What's one that you're particularly focused
1: on in your work? Um, it may not be the biggest challenge, but a definite challenge I see is um, I think we as schools need to get comfortable having uncomfortable conversations. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, albeit about race, it could be about disparity, it could be about equity, it could be anything. But the conversations must happen Mm. um, because the the issues aren't going to go away Mm. by themselves um, if we don't address them. I think it's uh, important that we have open and honest conversations about why we have disparity, why we have uh, inequity um, or gaps in our schools, Mm. I think that's absolutely important. Um, I think another challenge that I see is that we need to have a a mind shift uh in a number of things, but certainly uh, a mind shift when it comes to uh, traditional punitive discipline in schools versus the instructional disciplined approach and mm-hmm. and I can gladly say that we have definitely moved. From that traditional punitive to an instructional mm. uh, piece, which is, you know, why we were awarded that uh, the Magna Award uh, mm-hmm. last year. So, as far as kids, uh, and it's, you know, strictly looking through my lens, um, I think we're putting the cart before the horse when it comes to uh, our students. You know, I always talk about relationships. That that's that's always going to be a theme of mine. So, and when I say put the cart before the horse, I, I think if you look at it, if the 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 cart is uh, the test scores and the the horse of relationships. We definitely need to focus on those relationships first, you know, mm-hmm. to 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 reach the child, you know. I, and I know schools are school divisions are judged on their scores, mm-hmm. and I, I know that 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 quantitative data is is important. But I think we need to focus uh, just a little bit more on those relationships with yeah. with our kids. That that's absolutely. Uh, what's going on? I think that what what we find ourselves doing, we're trying to build the second floor of the house, which is the scores before we finish the <laughs> the first floor of the house, which is relationships. So mm-hmm. that that is is paramount. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely paramount. Yeah, I uh,
0: I agree. I, I wonder sometimes if we're um, addressing symptoms rather than sources. Mm-hmm. You know, and a test scores a, a symptom of other things that are. Um, going on in a child's life right yeah. so like um, when I was a high school counselor whenever I would I wasn't particularly excited going into that job about the academic advising element of it because mm-hmm. um, that wasn't the the heart of why I got into mm-hmm. counseling but what I found is when you have somebody in your office because there of may be some academic issues that they're facing what you ultimately find is that there are some personal things that you mm-hmm. get to and that this is a
1: symptom of what's going on and, right the students' world, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's why it, it's so important to know your students. Uh, in the presentation I, I give, you know, I show a picture of a classroom, and I said the the teacher or administrator who who does not know their kids would just simply see a classroom of students, mm-hmm. but the teacher administrator who truly knows their their students, they'll know that this student is homeless. They'll know that this student. Parents are incarcerated. They you know this mm-hmm. student has uh, a substance abuse um, addiction, and so forth and so on. So, mm-hmm. if you are equipped with that knowledge, then certainly you are going to treat them differently. Mm-hmm. It, it then goes; it moves from treating them equally to treating them equitably, mm. and and that is uh, another major shift in the mindset that we have to mm. have to deal with. You know, when I explain. Uh, equity and equality, you know, I said equality is if you gave every injured student a Band-Aid. You know, every student who's injured, you give them a Band-Aid. Now, that Band-Aid will work for the student who comes to you with a little scrape on their finger. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, some of our students come with compound fractures mm-hmm. and burns mm-hmm. and, you know, amputations and whatnot. The, the Band-Aid's not going to work there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that's why we need to focus on Uh, our students individually where where they are meet them at the point of their needs and more importantly know their story. Um, Okay so you
0: don't have a ton of free time right so you're you're busy man you got a lot on your plate in spite of that uh, Dr. William Noel serves on our study team for our racial disproportionality in school discipline Mm -hmm. studying so that speaks to me that you uh, value the role of research Mm -hmm. in advancing public education Mm -hmm. talk more about that.
1: I am a uh, definitely a, a qualitative research guy. I like people. I like you know feelings, but certainly the quantitative, the numbers, they, they absolutely matter. Mm. Um, and it's important that uh, we we listen to the data and 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 let that guide us. You know, data revealed that uh, in a single school year, one point two million. African-American students were suspended at least one day. Mm. Um, the data also showed that of that 1.2 million, like 55% came from 13 southern states, including our very own Commonwealth of Virginia. Mm. So uh, that that's absolutely alarming. It also showed that uh, African-American students are suspended greater than three times the rate of Caucasian students. Mm-hmm. And we know that frequent suspensions from school lead to poor academic performance and leads to... Uh, student disengagement. Um, it prevents students from becoming part of that, that pool of applicants mm. the colleges look to. Uh, and, and worse, it can lead to the um, school-to-prison pipeline. Mm. and that's, that's very real. Doing my own research, um, you know, it's seemingly in America, we have two types of discipline. We have uh, what's called criminalized discipline, which is punitive-based. Uh, then you have uh, medicalized discipline, which is solution-based. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, unfortunately, minority students tend to get the criminalized discipline where non-minority students get the, med- uh, the medicalized discipline. Mm-hmm. So if it were not for research, you know, that would not come to light possibly. Sure. Um, or, or, you know, if it wasn't so... People believe numbers. They they'll listen to numbers, and and the numbers prove that uh, this is this is an issue, mm-hmm. and we don't we can't ignore it because if we do, then certainly the problem is just going to grow.
0: And you in your work, you end up working with a lot of students who um, are engaged in the school discipline mm-hmm. procedures. Mm-hmm. So you end up getting a lot of um, anecdotal evidence from the work that you do, mm-hmm. right? Of all these examples and these stories of students that are going through this, and so maybe. What research accomplishes there is that um, anecdotal evidence is is great because it gives you those stories and you can feel something mm-hmm. right but maybe that empirical research that you get to conduct and be a part of and uh, interact with gives you the empirical evidence on top of it right mm-hmm. so it's like this kind of signal and the noise
1: mm-hmm. that you get out of it yeah what what the, I, I can absolutely say about the the work that we do um, the office really changed in the last four years from mm-hmm. A reactive office to a proactive office you know mm-hmm. now because we have uh a number of previously standalone departments under our umbrella and those departments specialize in student supports and interventions um we want to get to the students and help them change that inappropriate behavior mm-hmm. that that's our goal you know suspensions expulsions that's a a last resort. But unfortunately it is a resort sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um but before we do that we want to put every possible support intervention in place to help the child succeed. We mm-hmm. want to bring the family in and have them collaborate on what we can collectively do. Because we wanna we don't want to just say to the family, you know, this is what your child needs to do, this is what he needs to do, you know, you need to do this, you need to do that. Yeah. We, what what can we do mm-hmm. to help? Yeah. Because, you know, it, it definitely takes a village to raise a child, so we want to Partner mm-hmm. with our families to, to make sure that we can uh, provide them support they need.
0: Yeah, um, so the, all that lends to the question: What exactly is the purpose of school discipline?
1: School discipline. Well, before we get to that, let me d- distinguish discipline and punishment. Please. You know, punishment uh, is something you do to someone. Mm-hmm. Discipline is something you do for someone. Mm. Um, and, and so, discipline uh, teaches and guides. And that's what we want to do. Punishment is controlling and penalizing. You know, I always say Jesus had 12 disciples, not 12 punishers. So mm-hmm. uh, we want to discipline students, teach them uh, better ways to, to handle the situation in the future. Um, I think it is important that uh, students are held accountable That's part of their discipline, but hold them accountable, but teach them better ways to deal with it in the future. one thing I I, I find is students get suspended, um, and because they have not learned the proper way to behave, they don't know exactly what they did to get suspended, and worse, they don't know what to do to correct it when they get back. Mm -hmm. So that leads to that frequent suspension. So it's important that we discipline them Mm -hmm. uh, so that they are able to deal with it and and make better decisions in the future. One of the things, like I said, that we we do here on the behavior support team, we have... uh, student facilitators and these facilitators work with students who are uh, having issues in the classroom teaching mm-hmm. them uh, better ways to deal with problems we we'll also have uh, teacher empowerment facilitators uh, who work with teachers mm-hmm. uh, that teach them better ways to manage their classroom too so that you know it's a, a combined effort
0: mm-hmm. yes yeah, so the idea is that it's intervention more mm-hmm. so than oh, being absolutely exclusively punitive for a student so absolutely. those are the efforts that are being done here in Rico County uh, how well mm-hmm. Um, on the broader picture of public schools in america how well do you feel like we're currently executing that mission of discipline being for intervention and helping Mm. the medical model you were talking about rather than a punishment Mm. model
1: i have a strong sense that that's where schools are moving nationally Mm. Uh, last year i attended a conference up in chicago with superintendents from across uh, the nation and we were talking about that very thing, about how uh, the move to supports and interventions. I mean, you you can't punish good behavior into a child. Mm. Um, Definitely can't do that. Um, I work with the the Virginia Department of Ed. uh, I chair a committee. It's the uh, Student Support and Conduct Committee. Mm. And part of our work um, is to uh, revise the state code of uh, conduct. And, and, And I know that the direction that Virginia is moving is in the support intervention proactive uh, measure. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I believe that, uh, I mean, we know historically that, you know, the reactive approach, the zero-tolerance approach, the traditional approach to school discipline is not working. Mm -hmm. So, um, and if, like the the quote says, if you change nothing, nothing will change. So that's why, you know, we here and Enrico moved to that pro- proactive equitable and disciplined instructional approach mm-hmm. when it comes to uh, working with our students. Mm-hmm. And and I, I I definitely believe Virginia is moving in that direction based on the work that we're doing in that committee mm-hmm. and I I just see it spreading across the country. Yeah.
0: How how has that work um, been translating into to results for your students here in Henrico? Mm-hmm. What have you seen?
1: Our numbers have uh, um, dropped tremendously, the overall numbers of uh, suspensions and expulsions. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was 14, uh, 15, 16 school year. Mm-hmm. Um, um, 94% of our students had zero out of school suspensions. Um, uh, 1% had, uh, no, 4% had um, at least one out of school suspension, and 2% had. Uh, Two or more out-of-school suspensions, Mm -hmm. Uh, and and I'll you know put those numbers up against any school division because they're pretty strong. Mm -hmm. Um, But the issue we found is, of that two percent that had two or more out-of-school suspensions, Mm seventy-nine point five were African American students, Mm fifteen point five Caucasian, and uh, five percent other. So Mm -hmm. we, while we have reduced our overall suspensions the gap still remains um, in, in as far as disparity. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we have our work to do as well. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why I'm here, and that's why I'm <laughs> busy trying to make sure that we are providing our students what we need. Yeah. And we have a, uh, a professional development um, that we do called Changes, uh, and it deals with cultural competency. and And I think that is so important. Mm-hmm. when when we are addressing students. The cultural competency piece, the implicit bias piece, uh, PBIS, all of that is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, but for those in education who aren't touchy-feely and mm-hmm. are strictly numbers, they may not subscribe to it. So that would go back to the challenge mm-hmm. uh, piece. You know, I, uh, I believe that numbers are important, sure, but mm-hmm. I also believe that what people say and what people do and how people feel mm. are important as well. Yeah. Could you define PBIS for us? PBIS, Positive Behavior Interventions and Supports. Mm. Um, it, the, the ultimate goal of, of PBIS is to make appropriate behavior the norm. Mm. And, and it, uh, from someone outside looking in, they would think this is strictly for students, but it's more for adults. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know I think PBIS is, is, is great and I was speaking to my PBS coordinator Donna Crocker and and letting her know I said PBS is great but I want us to move into culturally responsive PBIS mm-hmm. we want our PBIS tailored to the community in which we serve mm-hmm. um, and that goes into the cultural competency piece um, making sure that we are uh, giving attention to our, our community. Mm-hmm. We we have a diverse community here, and, and we need to be able to meet the needs of all of it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's intended to be responsive. Right. What do you see as the future of public schools?
1: The future of public schools? Well, I, I think, um, just like we touched on, um, I think public schools will shift from that traditional mindset Of, of, you know, strictly looking through my lens again, move from that traditional mindset of punishment to the instructional mindset of discipline, Mm -hmm. teaching students uh, uh, how to behave. Um, You know, it's if you, if you, if we would teach discipline and teach character as relentlessly as we teach reading and writing, Mm -hmm. you know, that would go a long way to making appropriate behavior the norm.
0: So if you're listening to this right now and you're fascinated by this discussion on uh, public schools and school discipline, the role that it plays, and you want to hear more from Dr. William Noel, you should definitely come to our conference because he's going to be presenting there. Um, So you get to hear more of this perspective. You might get to hear some more of these great quotes that he's throwing out. Definitely. (laughs) There will surely be more quotes. uh, That's October 17th. Uh, from 9 to 3 at the Chesterfield uh, Career and Technical Center. We hope that we'll see you there. Um, Dr. Well, thanks so much for your time and perspective and for your service to students here in Rico County. You're very welcome. We are Thank grateful. you. Thank you.